Hi, I'm Sarah Black. Welcome to AFL Daily. Now we've taken a look at the reigning premiers in Melbourne. We've taken a look at season 2022 as a whole. Now we're going to drill down on the expansion clubs. I'm here with Gemma Bastiani and Lucy Watkin, the four teams who joined the AFLW competition for season seven, Essendon, Hawthorne, Port Adelaide and Sydney. I did that in alphabetical order. I've done it so many times. (laughs) Welcome, girls. We're going to split this episode into three segments. So we're going to start with list builds for the four teams, uh, their performance in season seven and what's what's to come. So let's start with the list builds to kick things off. Who do you think came out ahead to begin with, Jim? It feels quite obvious to say Essendon because Essendon did get the most experienced players. They had 17 players with AFLW experience come on board, which is more than half the list. 15 of those players played. Obviously, Bella Eyre didn't get on the park and either did Georgia Nanscorn, their, um, lead- who's in their leadership group, um, due to injury. But other than that, they, they had experience on all lines, which I think put them in really good stead when they came up against those more established teams for sure. The flip side of the coin, Lucy, is that Hawthorne hit the draft hard. They couldn't land that big player that they really wanted, um, as did Sydney, who, you know, Scott Gowans has gone on the record saying we're going big fish hunting. I'm paraphrasing, but he definitely used the <laughs> phrase big fish um, because they, they once again couldn't land that player. And it feels like with both of those clubs, it was a matter of, you know, if they'd got one big name over the line, more would have come. But because they couldn't get that one player, they were sort of stuck. Um, Hawthorne have the advantage of being the stronger draft pool in Victoria. Sydney loose. Things were a little bit tougher. Yeah, Sydney, definitely a little bit tougher. They had to, you know, lure a lot of players from the VFLW up there to Sydney. And they, they did quite well, you know, recruiting some players uh, from the VFLW. Lawrence Getty being one of them who ended up being one of their, their co-captains and was one of the surprise packets of the season. But I think the Swans, they also did really well to entice uh, Montana Ham and Sophia Hurley as well, two of the top talents in the Victorian draft pool to the Swans, but as you mentioned, it was hard. They, they couldn't get that big fish. They tried a few players, um, you know, Ali Blackburn, I think, was one of the players, floated Ash Riddell as well, but they didn't make their way up to Sydney, but I think it just puts the Swans in a good position to hit the trade and draft period heavy before Season 8. Yeah, it'll definitely be the aim of some of those clubs. Port Adelaide is the one we haven't mentioned in terms of their list build. They had a it was quite an even spread, I feel, in the end, Gemma, in terms of um, talent from other clubs, um, mature age South Australian talent, and then draft from that really strong youth South Australian pool. Yeah, I think that's where Port Adelaide was at a benefit, was that South Australian draft pool has been crying out for another team. There's a lot of players who have been moving into state just to get an opportunity and then chose to come back. So we saw five players from uh, Gold Coast come back. Uh, a number of them were f- originally from South Australia. Ebony O'Day was another one. But then, you know, Hannah Ewings, players like that, Sarah Goodwin, players who are from that South Australian talent pool, um, and then others who have missed out on a few drafts. And Alex Ballard is the obvious example of that. Hasn't been picked by Adelaide because they've only had three spots each year. And then all of a sudden, there's all these like, extra spots and all these players that would have been picked up in any other state um, kind of emerged. And it's really exciting, I think, that we now have the opportunity to showcase extra, plus the WA players they brought over. Yeah, they're definitely were mining the country far and wide to grab some of those girls. And, you know, the 
obviously when you're bringing in a quite a disparate group um, you know it takes a little while to build that cohesion especially off such a short turnaround in terms of pre-season I think some of the clubs are saying you know they started and then seven weeks later they had a full list and a full staff contingent in terms Mm. of physios and the like so that's an incredibly rapid build and then they only had a couple of weeks then to really get into gear so it was an incredibly tough time for for some of those people in charge well I think that's where Essendon again got out ahead was that they they did bring so many players from their VFLW list across I know that they were winning that premiership in the midst of the AFLW um, pre-season but they already had that chemistry with one another that they could then bring to AFLW level which I think also helped them take that extra step ahead of the others well that leads perfectly into on-field performance in this season Lucy how did you see well obviously the Bombers up the top but yep. you know how did you see it all fall out I thought the Bombers, you know, they sort of, I think they played to our expectations and being the, the team that had the most wins, finished high, highest up the ladder, you know, there was there was the thought that they maybe they could, you know, sneak into the into the top eight with the, the list that they had built. But, you know, I think just the, the lack of experience from that bottom end of, of, the, of the list showed that that's really important as well. Time together is really important. But the Bombers, I think, really impressed, I think, Hawthorne were the surprise packet, winning those three games in a row in the middle of the season. I thought they played some really exciting footy um, when they moved the ball quick off half-back and they would move it quickly into the forward line, have plenty of space. The speed of Aileen Gilroy. I loved watching Caitlin Ashmore, um, you know, sort of get her roam free on the wing. She played really well and some of their young talent, Jazz Fleming and Charlotte Baskerin as well, playing really well. I thought that was really exciting. And um, Sydney, unfortunately... Didn't get a win this season, but I thought Scott Gowans did really well to keep the team motivated with their own sort of internal KPIs and sort of what that meant was there was the game against Geelong in the last round. They got beaten by a fair margin, but, you know, um, Scott said we could have changed, we could have become more defensive, but, you know, our goal for that day was to, to play an attacking style brand of football. So that's what we did. We stuck to it. And although, although they took the big loss, he said there was plenty of lessons learned that day. And then... Lauren Arnell, I said this in our reviews on credit to the girls, but I think she had a very she was very frustrated with the coaches' press conferences after the games because she had to keep saying, "We're close, we're not quite there yet, but we're playing good football." And I think Port Adelaide, they showed that they're they're going to be really good in the future. Gem, where does Essendon rank in terms of first year expansion teams? Yeah, so I want to caveat this by excluding the original eight teams because they all kind of started on a level playing field. Whereas expansion sides have had to come in against sides that have experience and have worked together. I would put Essendon as the second best expansion side in its first season behind North Melbourne in 2019. So North Melbourne came out with a bang, beat Carlton in that first round by a significant margin, and then just kind of went along their way. They did recruit a lot of experience, and then that's something that Essendon has done. Essendon also put on the highest ever score by a team in its first season, including those first eight teams, with 84 points in round three against uh, West Coast. So they have that firepower. They worked really cohesively, and, and as I said, a lot of that is thanks to you know, having the connection at VFLW level and coming up and then you add the experience on top of it. So I, I would definitely put them, and I think Natalie would coach them very, very cleverly and made some really smart decisions as the season went on with, with some of her players. All right, well, no, we'll round out the Bombers now. This will be the last thing we talk about. Luce, what's next for, for them? Because they are exciting and they're one to watch. I think for the Bombers, it's shoring up the defensive unit 
bringing in some plays in some defensive depth. Um, we mentioned Elise. We've mentioned Elise Gamble a lot on on credit to the girls as their key defensive pillar. Who can't sometimes her body will let her down, so she can't string together consecutive games. And when she's out, it causes a lot of issues for that Bombers defense. So if they can shore up that defensive unit and build a really strong unit, we know they have the midfield. We know they have the firepower up forward. That will. That will get them a long way. We know it can be done quickly. Richmond did it between Season 6 and Season 7, building a strong defensive unit. And if they can do that, they could probably push for the finals. I was about to say, do you, do you expect them to challenge for the 8 next season? If they can fill those holes in defence, I reckon they can definitely push for the final, for the right. top 8. One to watch there with the Bombers. Jem, Hawthorne, where to next? Hawthorne played really smart footy this season, so it didn't rely so much on having the skills. It more relied on being able to follow the game plan, which I think is a really great base to work from. But adding that skill level, I think, is really important. They were the consistently the worst ball users across the competition. They went at, I think, 53.8% off the top of my head. So impro- improving that ability to, to use the ball will set them up better for the long term because they've already proven they can follow the game plan, they can stick to their roles. But then once they can start to execute that skill on top of that, that will make them really dangerous. For sure. And in a similar boat, Lucy, I imagine Sydney, um, in terms of disposal, that'll be one to watch. And also structure um, around the field and, and, and in the middle. Yeah, definitely. We spoke about Sydney's game awareness mm-hmm. as well. You know, Scott Gowns is a very smart coach. So his system, I'm sure he'll be working away at it and he'll he'll drill that into the girls. But definitely ball use, game awareness. And, you know, for the Swans, if they win a game in Season 8, they've already done better. So that's yeah. exciting for them. They're not the only club to go through a uh, winless first season. Richmond, of course, doing that. And then it took a couple more games for the Tigers yeah. to get onto the board eventually under Ryan Ferguson. I think it was 10 straight losses for the Tigers, 9 so, or 10, yeah. something like. So, yeah, it, it will come. But their first win was a 47-point win, so it was a pretty big win when it did come. So Excellent. It was against the Cats. Against Geelong, yeah, in, in indigenous those beautiful round. Indigenous Guernseys, yeah. yeah. Yeah, great photos after that one. So that's what we're looking forward to for the Swans getting that maiden win on the board and I'm curious to see what they do with their list build because obviously they have geographic limitations up there um, and, and whether they can manage to land that big fish and, and cause that, that sort of follow-on of players who are keen to move to the Swans. Port Adelaide, Gem, take us out. Yeah, I think with Port it's more about consolidating what they have there. Um, Port's big issue really they they used the ball really well around the ground but then once they chose about to go inside 50 that's where they broke down I think some of that is a lack of target so when Gemma Houghton was out of the side it was really evident but I think also that calmness and that composure when going forward was also a thing so just consolidating that forward half composing it and then having an extra target I think would be really beneficial for them and that rounds out our look at the four expansion clubs following their debut season in the AFLW. Make sure you stay tuned to Women's AFL, the AFL Live app and afl.com.au for all your football news.